Welcome to the CMR Podcast. I'm Michelle O'Connor, President and CEO of CMR Institute. CMR is a not-for-profit educational organization providing training to the life sciences industry that enhances healthcare and empowers today's sales professionals. We've created a podcast series to help you develop a new customer approach for the market you serve. In this episode, we discuss how the distributor model is affecting healthcare purchasing decisions with Alistair Barrow, CMR's value-based selling expert. To be successful in this new independent distributor model, it really does require uh, a lot more foresight, a lot more thought, a lot more strategy and execution uh, because of all the things that are happening in healthcare today. Um, really with the advent of group purchasing organizations and, and really more as they've become more relevant and more important uh, over the last few years in helping hospitals uh, to align themselves properly in this regulatory market. We've really seen a resurgence of the GPO and IDN structure. Uh, there was at one point in time a thought that the GPO structure would go away. Um, the increase in regional purchasing coalitions started to pick up. Uh, and so it's the and, and hospitals wanted to do a lot of their own contracting, really not finding the GPOs to be as important as they had originally thought. Well, flash forward to 2010 and uh, the Affordable Care Act comes into play. And then all of a sudden, there are dozens upon dozens of regulatory changes that the hospital was just not prepared for, not ready for. And they really needed the structure and the strategy behind the IDN and GPO structure to help them hit uh, those particular regulatory constraints. What it's done to the independent distributor, obviously, is marginalize them. Um, One-stop shopping became the order of the day uh, in a commodity market, if you will. Sort of the idea behind it is, IDNs and GPOs use the thought process uh, of everything is a commodity until you can prove that it's not. And if that is the case, then how do we band together uh, to be able to take advantage of economies of scale? How do we uh, make sure that all the products uh, that we can consider to be commodity, we can get from one place? Um, and so you have one-stop distributors in the McKessons, the Medlines, the Headbury Shines, the Cardinal Health. Uh, of the world, which is taking away uh, sort of the power and relevance of the independent distributor. Market consolidation has become a big deal as well, um, obviously, uh, with the IDNs, GPOs, but also in some of the more specialized um, market consolidations that have been happening today. The employer market now going in uh, with the payer market uh, and the provider market has also decreased the relevance of the independent distributor. Fewer innovative products are being introduced um, that require, you know, really the clinical push uh, that is necessary uh, to be relevant in the marketplace. Um, and then the original flagship products of a lot of our uh, big companies, uh, like the J&Js and the Boston sides of the world, have become commodities, i.e. drug-coded stents and drug-coded delivery. So all of that has really um, moved the independent distributor uh, and established a market based on the product lines uh, being used as uh, commodities. So um, how does the independent distributor continue to succeed in this particular market? And really, uh, I go back to the original um, uh, you know, slide that I presented. It's really having to, you to it caused you to think way outside of the box uh, and identify significant value that you can provide in different areas of the market that um, have 
have not have sort of been out of reach uh, for the big distributors, if you will. Um, so how do you work in fragmented markets where people buy products and solutions and not necessarily the big GPO contracts? Um, so if you think of a particular uh, cardiovascular market um, that is necessary to have sales reps and have specialized um, skills to be able to train physicians and train techs and nurses to be able to use a particular product. That is one way. Um, I think the, the best way to put it is that uh, the big guys are not necessarily going to be involved in putting together sales forces uh, and creating commercialization strategies to be able to, to do that. Um, obviously, they would rather sign contracts that are going to help them gobble up whole sections of products or, or, um, or service lines as opposed to going after those individual specialties. Um, so how do you become a, a, a medium-sized fish in a much smaller pond that will allow you to, uh, to strive? How do you build strong relationships in high places um, that are, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, currently aging? How do you uh, find yourself to be looked at as the specialized contractor for or distributor for a particular uh, segment of the business that uh, for a lot of folks, especially in chronic disease management, um, is uh, highly sought after? So, and then the final thing would be, um, thinking about how you create a national footprint by aligning with other uh, smaller distributors that are uh, compatible uh, for you or uh, or not, but, uh, but it can become integrated uh, delivery, if you will, if someone is handling cardiovascular and another um, distributor is also handling orthopedics uh, and the like, and the list goes on and on to create um, a sort of a integrated delivery of uh, distributorships. One of those scenarios, this is probably a, a really good example of um, how you can look at that particular thing, is to create uh, areas uh, of the marketplace that you tap into, sort of regions, if you will, uh, and in those particular regions, um, band together with a group of distributors uh, to allow you some exclusivity. But those distributors have to be specialty distributors. Uh, all of those products that you can consider to be commodities probably need to uh, move by the wayside or um, be sold off to the larger um, conglomerates um, where you can really specialize in your particular area. Um, again, without that ability, the ability to do that, the possibility remains that uh, you can be either bought out uh, by the larger distributors uh, or be crushed, if you will, uh, for a lack of a better way uh, to put that. Um, so create a scenario where you specialize in a particular area uh, for your uh, hospitals and uh, your physicians groups. So just in uh, sort of thinking about a successful evolution and a successful strategies for those um, independent distributors out there, which are all struggling uh, at this point in time, either being bought out by uh, the larger uh, distributors like the McKessons of the world or being purchased back by the manufacturers themselves, i.e. the J&Js and Boston size and uh, Abbott's of the world. Um, how do you remain uh, competitive and how do you remain relevant in this particular highly regulatory uh, market? Uh, contract with your manufacturers to receive ownership uh, once the market share is delivered. Um, so thinking about um, how you take on some of these specialized items that require uh, a lot of training, um, a lot of development, uh, with a sales force uh, that you deploy out in the marketplace. And then how do you think about contracting with those folks to take ownership of your particular piece of the pie in, the, in a specific region? How do you connect with EMRs, with proprietary technologies? Um, that's another big piece uh, that's coming into play. 
a lot of hospitals are having trouble uh, with their electronic health records uh, right now in terms of the sheer amount of information that comes out of them. Uh, but if you can help them in terms of understanding big data, understanding uh, what they're trying to do in reducing the total cost of care for a specific chronic disease area, uh, and then be able to deliver on that um, is another area of opportunity for you. Um, how do you sell uh, for the one-stop uh, shop distributors into call points that require a clinical sale? Um, you know, obviously, you're not going to have any uh, competition in that particular area. You will become uh, the expert, if you will. And then how do you take advantage of transitions when the big distributors buy your competitors? So it's transitioning from, say, the hospital to ancillary markets, and then from ancillary markets to home care, um, where you actually have uh, ownership of the patient and what they purchase. Uh, on a monthly basis to take care of themselves long-term. These are all areas of opportunity uh, where you can take advantage of markets that have not been uh, capitalized yet by either the GPOs or uh, by the independent, I'm sorry, by the big distributors. You know what, we talked a little bit at the beginning. I just want to summarize a little bit uh, from the, the previous three um, webinars that we were able to take advantage of. The IDN purchasing process uh, the GPO collaborative model uh, and the relevance and importance of, of risk contracting. Uh, the first of which was uh, the IDN, uh, the shift, the paradigm shift from the traditional approach where you can go in and do a, a more transactional relationship with the physician and with the staff and get a product on the shelf to now the current state where it requires uh, much more people to get involved in the decision-making process to bring in products and services. One of those uh, particular ways uh, to think about that is one, understanding the, the hospital, hospital systems really well, and in a lot of cases, even better than they understand it themselves. There are many hospital systems that um, don't really even understand how big the problem or the burden of illnesses uh, are in their particular system. And if you can help them, help them understand that, you'll be looked at as more of just uh, than a normal sales rep in that particular scenario. Uh, the second is sort of taking advantage of where um, IDNs across the country are looking for uh, vendors to be partnered with, uh, especially when you have a new uh, um, versioning technology uh, that has not really proliferated the market yet. How do they get involved um, uh, to help you do that? Uh, and there are a lot of those IDNs out there that are willing to do studies, white papers, uh, to really evaluate your particular product, how it helps them bring down the total cost of care, and then the, how that can be proliferated out uh, to their uh, particular members. In the case of the providers who are also payers, uh, like your Allegheny Health Networks or your Mayo Clinic, which also has their own uh, payment structures, they have particular programs in place that not a lot of um, vendors are taking advantage of right now. It's an opportunity for you to get involved. Highmark Health, uh, for instance, has the vital program uh, through Allegheny Health Network, uh, where they look at um, particular disease states, episodes of care, uh, how to manage them, and then how do they uh, cascade that down to the rest of their members. The Mayo Clinic has the Mayo Clinic Health Ventures Program, which is uh, typically the same thing, um, where they are actually helping um, you know, startup companies bring products to market, but uh, not just your old run-of-the-mill products, but really thinking about uh, products into the future, how they affect their patients, cost, um, quality of care, and patients um, 
you know, in terms of some of the re reduction programs like readmission and admission reduction programs, hospital-acquired condition programs, how do they really impact those programs with some of these new technologies is the way that they are thinking about it. Um, and it's a way for vendors to differentiate themselves uh, in the marketplace. The other piece that we looked at um, was um, the collaborative model uh, through the GPOs. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, folks want to have business with an IDN. To do that, they have to work with the GPO, in which case they end up paying the GPO a 3% fee. Uh, that 3% goes back to the IDN, which then goes uh, trickles down uh, to the hospitals. Uh, and at the end of the day, there's a lot of question in the mind of the vendor of, well, where is the value? Uh, you own the business. In a lot of cases, you went out and got the business. Um, the GPOs didn't necessarily help you. And so the question always comes up, what are we really getting for the 3%, which in some cases can be quite significant, uh, that we are paying these folks. Um, the GPOs, uh, as a result, have decided uh, in order to help themselves, how do they help you help them, uh, i.e., um, working together on a collaborative model um, to uh, really affect clinical quality and safety. These are all areas that they're being reimbursed for today and not doing a, a very good job with, and they're areas of opportunity for medical device vendors uh, to be able to help, uh, uh, help the GPOs. The consumer experience, how are we affecting that? HCAP scores is another area that hospitals are being measured for, and it does affect their reimbursement. Cost efficiency and practice improvement. So how do we coordinate care? Um, how do we work with different specialties across the care continuum? Uh, from the acute care to ancillary facilities to home care to really take care of a patient from cradle. I shouldn't say cradle to grave, but from a, the time a patient walks into the ER to the time that they are discharged and now in outpatient rehab to get themselves back to good health. And then interoperability, how, do, how does one system or one department uh, speak to another? These are areas um, that your products or services can affect. Um, then there's a good chance, a good opportunity for you to work with these GPOs in a collaborative model uh, that creates a win-win scenario for both the GPO, their members, and uh, for the vendor themselves. And then finally, we talked about um, value-based contracting as well. Um, Premier was the, the best example that we can use, value-based contracting. Um, has grown, um, and it has, um, it has really put in place a scenario where the hospitals and hospital systems are signing up for more and more risk uh, with the federal government, with CMS, um, and they're requiring uh, or requesting that their vendors also think about doing the same thing. Um, I'll give you a great example. You know, today, uh, some of the risk models that are being put in place, especially around episode of care, um, have a 90 to 180 day window before the hospital uh, or hospital system is paid. Uh, and so the question becomes, if we are not getting paid for a particular procedure for 180 days, how do we then pay the vendor who is providing that particular product for the procedure in 30 days? Makes it really, really difficult. But if there's a vendor out there that can float that payment or sign up for a particular episode of care outcome, um, then it makes it more advantageous for the relationship to grow uh, for both the health system and for uh, the vendor community. 
So a lot of these um, contracts are now being put together based on evidence. Um, if you can look at how to discount based on evidence, uh, product or service guarantee, uh, the most obvious is if the product doesn't work, then you don't pay for it. Um, and so um, it uh, puts a lot of the onus on you to create a, a value scenario for that particular customer. Um, risk sharing by the particular product. Um, so if the outcome is not what we said it would be, if the patient happens to come back in the 30-day window, um, then there is a percentage off of that particular product. Um, and then obviously risk shared by alternative payment model. So if we are, you know, let's just pick one in the oncology uh, model and you're using a particular device for the removal of a tumor or, or uh, you know, something of that particular nature uh, and it doesn't work well or the outcome of that particular procedure is not what we said it would be, uh, then there's a percentage paid back or a, a lower price uh, for that particular product or uh, a smaller portion of the reimbursement that comes back uh, goes back to you. All of these are different areas to, to think about, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it makes sense for um, a vendor to think about how do we think way outside of the box, um, further out than we've been thinking before uh, with the customer and the patient in mind. You know, for a long time, we've, uh, in the vendor community, we've thought a lot about how these things affect us internally, uh, even down to how we think about our value proposition. So when we're developing a value proposition, we think about how we think the product works and how good the product is for us, uh, but really causing us to think more outside of the boxes where our provider community is asking us to go and uh, thinking about uh, their end result in mind as well. How does it affect their patient? How does it affect their um, their thought process about keeping the patient out from the hospital or shifting them to alternative sites uh, for their recovery or even their initial procedure, uh, the physician practice, the acute care facility or the non-acute care facility, the outpaced uh, physician lab. Um, how do we think about that? How do we keep them out of the most expensive area, uh, which is the hospital system, uh, to be able to uh, continue to treat these patients well? Uh, so in putting our value proposition together, we take you know the good and bad of our product and really think about how is it going to affect these pieces uh, for um, for the provider. So really, at the end of the day, selling into the future is really about partnering um, with the um, with the provider. Uh, it's really about uh, trying to think about all of the different regulatory responses that these folks have to make today in order to keep the lights on. Uh, and keep patients coming through. Uh, and then thinking about how do we affect those particular regulatory procedures, so really uh, regulatory um, constraints, so really thinking about the end in mind, um, which is really, really different uh, for the vendor community, uh, especially when for, you know, 100 years, we've only thought about uh, setting a forecast and how we um, approach uh, hitting that particular forecast of sales. It, in doing so, it really helps us to differentiate ourselves from our competitors, and it's, it's, it's really pushing how we think about the business model um, and how that business model is going to be affected into the future. Um, going back to um, trying to understand what companies like CMR does, um, it really does help to develop uh, your sales professionals to think about becoming more consultative sales professionals. 
Um, CMR helps clients create customer connections that improve a sales performance. Um, and really that's what it's about. Many of our um, pro providers today or many of our decision makers uh, are not the end users any longer. Um, it, it really does fall in terms of the decision making process. It really does fall on a group of people who um, are really far from the clinical episode and now thinking really about quality, thinking about finance, uh, patient satisfaction, and how to keep the patients from coming back, uh, in particular from doing the same procedure a second time. Um, as you know, they no longer get paid for that. CMR's portfolio of resources include off-the-shelf learning and training resources to help your sales professionals understand how to do that. First, by understanding the market, understanding what has changed, also understanding how it's going to continue to change and evolve, especially with the current administration. They have a customized blended learning capabilities, and how they do that is by thinking about, the again, the end in mind. Uh, your particular sales professionals. There are some who learn through e-learning, uh, micro-learning, podcasts, need, you know, they work, go in and work with your sales professionals to do need gap analysis, videos and webinars, sustainability tools, workshops, white papers, uh, and a host of other things, uh, tools and, and resources that uh, CMR uses to help your sales professionals develop uh, in the time frame that's necessary for you uh, to be able to deliver it. Some of the delivery capabilities are also uh, a, one of the things that you need to think about. There are some learners who learn really well through podcasts, uh, micro-learning on their um, uh, uh, cell phones or on their iPads. Uh, webinar learning is sometimes just listening and understanding and taking notes is some of the best ways. Um, white papers, being able to develop papers in your particular disease state or your particular area uh, of learning. Uh, to understand what's happening to the market and how it, you can affect that particular market. CMR also has workshops, live workshops or virtual workshops uh, that uh, where the um, your sales reps uh, are provided with uh, e-learning modules that they need to do to prepare themselves for those webinars to have maximum effect, and then live workshops that uh, that include instructional instructional design uh, and then also uh, tools, sustainability tools uh, that they can use going forward. Uh, and then videos. Uh, there are a host of videos, um, some really short, some a lot longer, uh, that's uh, provided for your sales professionals so that they can take advantage of uh, the different types of capabilities to be able to uh, sink in what's happening in the marketplace and why the change is necessary. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's about understanding, learning, and then in particular developing in this particular um, uh, marketplace. It's taken many, many years for a lot of the professionals that uh, are doing a lot of this work today, uh, you know, uh, understanding the market and trying to cascade it out to providers, payers, and to vendors. Um, and it's going to take about the same amount of time uh, for your sales reps to become expert at this, to be able to use uh, the information uh, to help the organization grow. Um, to do that, um, CMR can help you put together a consistent training focus um, around disease states and disease state management, help you understand the change in landscape and how to com uh, communicate that to physicians, physician practices, hospitals, hospital systems, evidence-based selling, uh, formularies about the human body, anatomy and physiology, pharmacology, uh, and the list goes on. 
And then understanding is industry essentials, like how to uh, be a leader in the marketplace. Project management, which is a big focus inside the hospital system, especially as they look to bring in new technologies that require uh, multiple teams to get involved and are across multiple service lines. So how do you manage the market? Um, how do you manage nutrition, the organized customer, payer reimbursement, uh, health economics and outcomes reimbursement, value-based selling? Uh, these are all the different areas uh, that your sales professionals today are expected to understand. The lack of, the, for, of a better way to put it what we're finding in the marketplace is that we're dealing with folks, um, and even ourselves, right? We've done things one way for a very, very long time. We've done, you know, fee-for-service-based uh, selling, and uh, for the, our providers, fee-for-service-based uh, clinical practice for the last 50, 60 years. That is a long time to really learn, grow, and understand a particular marketplace. Well, we've done value-based selling for about the last five. Uh, and by the way, all through uh, experiments, if you will, to see what will work and how it will work as we're continuing to take care of the patient. Um, that requires a different kind of capability. Um, a lot of it uh, falls to you, uh, the vendor, to be able to train these folks to understand how to do. In order to do that, your people need training as well. So I would say uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, run, don't walk uh, to your nearest company that can help you uh, be able to provide this kind of training for your folks because the landscape is going to continue to change uh, and you have to be able to work and change with it. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Don't let the conversation stop here. Connect with us on LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and reach out today to learn how your organization can succeed in today's marketplace.